Amen. We're going to have a seat. It's very nice to see you all this morning. Uh, if this is your first time at Conduit, or if we have not yet met, my name is Cameron. I'm the pastor here. And um, welcome to Conduit. Conduit, um, today's, a, today's a great day. Uh, we're going to be uh, celebrating a few baptisms today towards the uh, end of our service. And, um, and this is really the reason that we, uh, I mean, I, it seems like maybe a, an overstatement. You know, I think pastors, communicators are often, uh, you know, they will often be a, accused of being like the greatest, telling the greatest fishing story, saying everything is the greatest, you know, um, everything is the best. But uh, it's not an overstatement, I don't think, to, uh, to say that today and what we experience today, what we will experience today, um, is the reason that we uh, exist as a community and as a church. Uh, to see people who were, well, as I was, were once far from Jesus Christ, be brought near to God through Jesus. And to see these moments where um, in, in baptism, in, a, in the front of an entire community of people, I mean, for goodness sakes, this is on the internet, you know, if they say, you tell the kids, don't put anything on the internet, you don't want it to last forever, right? This lasts forever type of thing, Hallelujah. right? And, um, and so I had a, an entire sermon um, planned this morning out of Acts chapter 6, and we were going to talk about the choosing of uh, the seven men to help feed the widows in the early Christian community, and I told uh, the sound room this morning with all the slides that we had prepared and the scripture that was going to be on, up on the screen. We're just going to like put a, a hard pause on that for this week. Right? Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit uh, to you about, about baptism because I think it's, uh, it's important for us to always be reminded and hear this message continually over and over. What is baptism as we celebrate it this morning? What is it? Why? Why do we celebrate it? Why does it exist? You know, there are uh, a, lot of, a lot of ways that we can go about explaining the holy things of God, right? And every analogy or metaphor that we use falls woefully short of the heavenly realities that, um, that exist, right? But if we begin to think of baptism as a sign or a symbol that indicates something that is happening in our heart or in our lives, it begins to make maybe a little bit more sense. Now, I, uh, this summer, I will have been married for 17 years to my beautiful wife, who is back here with us this morning. Um, now, you know, 17 years is, you know, that seems like it's a long time, right? And, and it, it, it is a long time. It's only seemed like a year, I'll tell you that much. Uh, it's only seemed like a year. Uh, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I've, I've chosen to wear a wedding ring, uh, and this, this wedding ring, it generally will show all of you, 
or show anyone in the world, right, that, that I am married, right? But if I, if I take this ring, if I take this ring off, right, I don't, I don't cease to be married anymore, right? It's not like, it's not like this ring here solidifies my marriage. It, it exists simply as an outward sign and symbol of an inward commitment and covenant that I have made with my wife, with my, or with, uh, before the Heavenly Father, to say, my, my commitment, my, my heart, my life, my, 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 my heart and soul is given to my wife. And this is kind of like the outward sign and symbol of that inward spiritual commitment. See, signs and symbols, they, they point to something that is more significant than the actual symbol itself. And baptism is the wedding ring, so to speak. It's the wedding ring of our salvation. It's the, it's the moment where, where we take a, a sign and a symbol, the water, and we, we put it upon ourselves so that the whole world knows that we have made an inward commitment to surrendering our lives to Jesus and want to go public with that, right? This is, there's no way for me to hide. I wouldn't put this on if I was trying to hide the fact that I was married, right? And baptism in the, in the baptism in a, a public arena like this is the moment where I say, I, I am going public with my decision to surrender my life to Jesus and to follow him with all that I am. Now, one thing that we, we must like, talk about in moments like this is like the, the importance of the symbol, but not... Um, with not, not worshiping the symbol, right? So we'll go back to the wedding ring again. The wedding ring is a, the wedding ring is a symbol, but the symbol is meant to point to something more significant than the symbol itself. All right? So when we step into the water this morning with the handful of people who are making that decision... We must understand that it is not, it's not the water that we become enamored with. It's not, the, it's not the water that is special. It's not the person dunking you under the water that is special either. You know, you know how holy that water is right there? You know where I got that from? Yeah. I got it from the garden hose, okay? There is, there is nothing overtly special about the water itself. But we use the water as a tactile, palatable, like feel it on my skin type of symbol that helps to point us to something much more significant, right? And what the water of baptism points to is a 
couple of realities in Scripture that Scripture uses to say when you are baptized and when you are in the water and then out of the water, it is signifying a few different things. The first one is this. Of course, this is not an all-inclusive or comprehensive understanding of baptism. We've talked about We've talked about things like this before. But the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 6 um, talks about the water of baptism. Talks about uh, how, how our baptism is a moment where we, we mimic the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I know that's, uh, that can be a a heady theological topic, but it's, but it's important for us to hear this and understand. All right? Um, so Romans chapter 6. I'm throwing an audible to you up there, Rachel. But uh, Romans 6, verse... Uh, we'll start at verse 1, and we'll just keep going. It should be up on the screen. Yeah, perfect. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with Him like this in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin because everyone, anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, Paul talks in this language of life and death and oneness with Christ and baptism under the water. It can get a little like, um, it can get a little muddy. All right, so let's let's work to uh, let's work to unpack here uh, the reality of baptism and why we baptize the way that we do. Okay. So when we bring someone into the water, um, and we we take them, and I say I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then we dunk them under the water, right? And then we bring them right back up out of the water. We are symbolizing, again, the death of the old person, right? We're placing them in the grave as Jesus was in the grave. And then through faith in Jesus Christ, right, they're being resurrected again to new life. That is why... Paul says, don't you know that all of, us, all of those who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too may live a new life through the glory of the Father. And so as we, as we enter into the water of baptism, a person is standing before you and I, standing before uh, standing before all of heaven and saying this, like, look, I realize that my old man, my old person, who I am now, walks into this water. And I recognize 
that through Jesus Christ, I am being, the old me is being put to death, is being put in the grave just as Jesus was put in the grave. But that through the power of Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm also being resurrected to new life. And that person comes up out of the water and that, and then, and then Paul's like, Words to us or words to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. You know, in Christ we become new creations. The old has come, or the old has gone, and the new has come. And so, and so in baptism, we are we are we are symbolically uniting ourselves with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and our old self is dying, and our new self is being resurrected to new life. The old has gone, and the new has come. There's kind of a, that's one like symbol or metaphor that scripture uses, that Paul uses to help us understand what happens in baptism. I'm taking this moment of being placed in the grave and the Spirit of God is resurrecting me to new life in the water of baptism. Well, in the early church also, baptism was used as a kind of a, as a symbolic moment where, where our, our sin, our, our guilt, our, our shame, the old us is being, is being washed away in Acts chapter 22. When Paul was preaching to the Roman crowd, starting at verse 14, Acts chapter 22, starting at verse 14, then he said to them, the God, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one, to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witnesses to all men, of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash, away, wash your sins away, calling on his name. This is one example of how Paul talks, um, talks about the symbolic nature of the water and what its purpose is in our spiritual life that allows us this tactile moment of remembrance where everything that all all the things that I could not do on my own Christ did for me in the washing away of my sins now I want to get a little bit more um, a little bit more pointed this morning okay um Because I know that there, um, I know that there are instances in our lives where, and maybe not even instances, but um, maybe whole seasons of our lives where where we uh, we are walking in a in a very particular direction, thinking that we're we're making the right decisions, 
we're going the right way. We're putting all of our we're putting all of our ducks in a row, right? And and we and in time and in time and time and time and time and time again, um, uh, life just kind of keeps breaking down, right? Like as as much as we try, um, as much as we as as much as we sing to like kind of arrange the pieces of the puzzles, the puzzle of our life, to make a, a beautiful picture, right? There's always one puzzle piece missing. Like we get to the end and there's like that one piece right in the middle that's missing and the picture isn't complete. And we can continue to walk in that direction and we can continue to, um, continue to try different things. In fact, we talked a little bit about this last week, all right? Making small little tweaks here and there to fill the holes in our lives, to try and mend the brokenness, to try and make sense of um, what is going on. And the, the more we try and the harder we strive and, and, the, and, and, the, and the more and more and more we, we, we add the things of the world to our lives to try and make sense to the hole that we are experiencing here, it seems like the hole gets deeper and it gets blacker and it makes less and less and less sense every step we take. And then so we're stuck at the end of a long road, a long road, holding everything that we have tried to accomplish in the world, but still feeling empty, wondering what in the world is next. And we may have not just accomplished nothing of significance back there, but we may have even left a whole path of destruction behind us. And pain. And brokenness. And darkness. And um, a life that is by all worldly standards irredeemable. Okay? Um, I'm here. I'm here to tell you. I am here to tell you this morning that there is no darkness so dark. There is no brokenness so broken. All right. There is no. There is no sin so far away. There is no shame so significant. There is no. There is no pain that you are experiencing. There is no pain that you have caused that is so deep. That Jesus cannot heal you. That Jesus, that Jesus can't bring purpose to a life that quite honestly you've tried to destroy time and time and time again. And he has continued to pursue you and continued to pursue you. And you have continued to, you know, like give him the Heisman, right? And you have continued to stiff arm him and continued to stiff arm him. And continued to stiff arm him until you couldn't run any further. And he finally caught you. And so the question remains, right? When you've run as far as you can run. When you've tried everything that you could possibly try. When you have given up on yourself, when you have given up 
on others. Right? Uh, Jesus doesn't give up on you. Jesus does not run away from you. Jesus runs towards you. Jesus runs after you. And I'm telling you right now, if you're sitting there this morning, silently resonating with the emptiness that you feel inside, that you, can't ju- that you just can't seem to fill, I'm telling you right now, the reason you can't fill it is because it's the place that Jesus belongs. Amen. And until you fill it with a thing that is designed to be there, you will always be running and chasing after purpose, wholeness, healing. That's the only way to get there. It's the only place that you can be, it's the only place that you can find it. There was this question, and I'm going to tell you some, I'm going to tell you some of his story later, like, uh, and I might even ask him to tell you a little bit of his story. Um, but I got a question this week. Well, you know, I've been, I've been running from God my whole life. And, um, and not only have I been running from God my whole life, but I've been, I've been keeping others from finding God, too. And I ran as far as I could. Um, and now Jesus has got a hold of me. And I don't really know what to make of it. Because I've spent my whole life saying Jesus can't catch me. Or Jesus won't catch me. But his Holy Spirit is doing something in me that I can't explain. That I don't understand. And I want to believe that Jesus is for me that Jesus loves me, and that Jesus is actively working to change my life, but I don't know if I can yet. I surrender to him doing it. I want him to do it. I'm asking him to show himself real to me. I surrender my life to Jesus, but I'm having a really hard time. I'm having a really hard time coming to this like intellectual place of understanding that Jesus really is for me. And so I don't think I can be baptized Um, we have done a really excellent job, and when I say excellent, I mean poor. Um, we have done a real poor job in like the modern, you know, 21st century, post-enlightenment evangelical church, making baptism all about something that you need to intellectually understand to receive. Like, hey, man, you know what? You just need to understand the facts. You need to know the theology. Let me slide the paper across the table. If you can get the right answers to the theological test of what baptism is or isn't, then you are, then you are ready to go public with your decision to surrender your life to Jesus. Well, let me tell you what. I've been following Jesus for the better part of my whole life. I've been a pastor now for 16 years. I've studied the Bible more than anyone that I personally know. And there are things about the Holy Spirit of God. There are things about Jesus. There are things about faith that I just don't get. That I just don't intellectually understand. 
then I'm like, there's times all the time where I'm like, hey God, can you write that down in the notebook of questions that I want answered when I get to heaven? Because I don't truly get it. Because faith in Jesus Christ and, and your healing and your wholeness has never been for God about you knowing all of the right information. In fact, the Apostle Paul says that all knowledge does is puffs us up. But when the love of God comes upon us, right, we are, we are built up. And so the question is, is if you, as a person this morning, right, are coming before Jesus and saying, I, 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 I want to believe, I, I see that you're pursuing me, I know that I've been broken, I know that I'm being empty, but I'm just not theologically there yet. Jesus, will you still, will you still accept me? Will you still love me? Will you still embrace me? I've got news for you, right? Jesus Jesus had those interactions all the time in Scripture. And in particular, in the Gospel of Mark, I think it's chapter 12. Nope, chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 14. Listen to this. Awesome story, okay? Mark chapter 9, verse 14. Um, verse 17. A man... Um, a man in the crowd um, answered, Teacher, he's talking to Jesus, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes, at his, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out that spirit, but they could not. O oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy with me. So they brought him. And when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into, into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Um, listen, I'll tell you this as a side note, right? Um, darkness always knows when the game is over. Okay? Darkness always knows when the game is over. And darkness holds on the tightest right before the light breaks through. Right? Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. He's always been like this, essentially. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us. And help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Everything. Everything is possible for him who believes. It doesn't matter how long you have been carrying the shame. It doesn't matter how long you have been carrying this brokenness. It doesn't matter how long you've been carrying this pain. It doesn't matter how much pain you have inflicted upon others. It doesn't matter. Everything is possible for him who believes. Jesus can indeed heal you. Well, what if I don't fully believe? Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, Oh, I, I, I do believe that you can heal him, Jesus, but, but, Help me overcome 
my unbelief. And so like in the modern world, we would be like, well, I don't think you're quite there yet. You know, one more theology class, a few more Sunday school lessons, um, uh, read the Bible a little bit more, get a little bit closer to Jesus, and then we'll bring you before the whole community and say they have passed our test, right? We will now baptize them and welcome them into the community, right? Well, listen, this is not what Jesus did at all. In fact, he recognized the man's belief and not even, not even like a strong belief, but like a Jesus, we've got no other answers. I've got nowhere else to go. Your disciples couldn't heal him. He's been like this his entire life. It's, it's, it's causing all kinds of issues in our life. Right? It throws him into the fire. He gnashes his teeth. He seizes. He foams at the mouth. Right? We have no other options. Jesus, can you please help me? I don't know if I believe it all the way, but what I don't believe, will you help me believe? And Jesus is like, This much belief is enough for me to bring healing into your life. This much belief. Because the, this man and his son were not like the ultimate examples of superb faith in Jesus Christ. They were actually an example of a guy who was like, ah, kind of embarrassed to ask because I kind of have a lot of unbelief in my life but I trust that if anyone can do it you can <laughs> and that's all that Jesus needs that's all that Jesus needs to completely change the trajectory of your life is the sliver of faith. In fact, he, calls, he even calls it the, the mustard seed of faith, right? The small amount of faith, the smallest of all the seeds, right, grows into the biggest of all trees. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Do you feel dead? Have you felt dead? Are you willing, even for a brief moment, to express the smallest amount of faith that Jesus is the path and the person to bring healing into your life. 
It doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out. It doesn't mean you have to know every answer. It doesn't mean you have to grown up in a church or be a person of extreme faith. What it requires is you, is you, for the first time and for the last time maybe, saying, I've been trying to find healing in my life every other single way and it's just been lost on me. I am ready to surrender my healing to Jesus. I am ready to surrender my life to Jesus. And as you surrender your life to Jesus, he will bring healing from your brokenness. He will bring light where there has only been darkness. He will bring you hope where there has only been despair. And you will grow in your belief in his healing power because he will never abandon you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Um, I, what I really want to do this morning is to be able to spend a little bit more time at the water than we do, than I do up here, just talking at you, right? Um, so a few things are going to happen here in the next few minutes, okay? Um, one, I have three people who decided that they wanted to be baptized this morning, right? Very different backgrounds, very different stories. Um, Jesus is saving them all. Right? Has saved them and is, and is in the process of saving them. Okay? Um, so excited to baptize them. However, I do believe that there are more people in this room who are ready to surrender their lives to Jesus. And you might think, well, geez, man, I gotta, I gotta sit down and meet with the pastor and, like, take the theology test to see if I can be baptized. And um, before, you know, before I go public, in front of a whole community of people that I surrender my life to Jesus. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning that you don't need to wait. If you are ready to give your life to Jesus this morning, and you want to step in the waters of baptism, right? To go public, to wear that symbol on your finger to say that I am putting to death the old me, and I am allowing the Holy Spirit of God to fill my life and bring me up into new life. I am ready to be gone with the old person and to, be, to move forward with a new person, reclaiming my life and the purpose that God has created me for. Today's your day. There's plenty of water in there for everyone. In fact, I got a whole tote of towels over there. I will give you my dry shirt to wear afterwards. I will walk out of this place without a shirt on if I need to. Maybe that's a little too far, but you get the, you get the point, right? What I'm saying is, if you want to be baptized this morning, if you are ready to give your life to Jesus Christ, we are ready to baptize you this morning. and We are ready to welcome you into this community, into this family, into this, into this people that are continually growing in the grace 
of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, you don't need to have already talked to me. Right? You know who you are. And if you are ready to make that decision this morning, I am ready to baptize you this morning. Second, I really want as many of our kids and conduit kids to be in here for this as well. They are a part of our community of faith also. So um, we're going to bring the worship team back up here in just a moment. And they're going to lead us in a little bit more worship. And as they are doing that, if you have, if you, if any of your kids are in Conduit Kids and you would be willing to go get them and bring them in, yes, they will be loud. Yes, they will be running everywhere. We'll lock all the doors so they're contained, okay? We would love for them to be a part of this as well. Um, third, when we get up to worship here at the end, those who are being, who have already said they're going to be baptized and who have a change of clothes, um, you can go get dressed or go get changed and meet me in the back. I'm going to do the same. And in fact, I think that Jess is checking on it. Jake, would you check to see if what she's doing is, we do have some shirts and some shorts and stuff like that. So if you want to be baptized but don't want to be walking out with wet clothes, we actually do have clothes for you that you can put on. Um, if not, I'll let you wear my pants home. I don't care. Um, um, maybe? Okay. All right. We'll find something. All right. Um, welcome to Conduit. Uh, we... We are not quite always as big of a hot mess as it kind of seems like it is right now. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> like, ah, yeah, we'll just baptize you. Um, but I believe that the Spirit of God is moving in your life right now. Amen. I believe it. And I believe that there are people sitting in this room looking at me, hearing, hearing this and being like, this isn't for me. Yes, it's, not, it's not for me. I, like, it's, it's for the people who are like, believe, but it's not for me. Like, I'm just kind of too on the edge, and I don't know what I feel about this whole thing. I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus is not going to give up on you. He's just not going to, he's not going to quit, right? So, so you, you can surrender to him now and start having fun with all of us. (laughs) Right? Or you can come back next week and be baptized. We're gonna, I'm going to baptize more people next week. Okay? And the week after. Or whenever. But if you're a person that is sitting there this morning saying, I'm too far gone. I've made too much of a mess out of my life. I need Jesus to save me. I just don't know how. This is how. This is how. It's called surrender. There's shirts and shorts in the back. Thank you, Jessica. Um, let's have the worship team come back up. Uh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray over us. If you, um, 
If you would like to go get your kids to bring them back up here, that would be super solid. And then um, as, soon as, we, as soon as we start, um, then you can, um, those of you who are being baptized can step out and get dressed. Meet me in the back of the pool. All right, let me pray for us as, you're, uh, as we stand. Go ahead and stand. Pray for us. Heavenly Father, we, um, Lord, we know that your spirit is always with us, but I'm, I'm asking you now, Heavenly Father, to pour out your spirit in such a significant way that those who are far from you, Lord, are, are overwhelmed with your love are overwhelmed with your peace, are moved to a moment of saying, I am done trying to make sense of this world and this life on my own, and I am ready to surrender everything that I am to Jesus. Lord, we pray. that conviction and repentance and joy and grace would fall like rain from heaven. Lord, calling us to the water of baptism that is the symbolic moment of saying death to the old me and hello to the me that Jesus is creating me to be. You are worthy, Lord Jesus. We glorify you and lift up your name. Would you draw all men, women, and children to yourself? In Jesus' name, amen.